All right, grab your Bible, grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Got just a, a couple things I'd like to do this morning. Uh, one is, is kind of give you an update on, on our missions, our projects we've done, not only uh, here in the United States, but in Nigeria two, two years ago, if you'll remember that. Uh, we've got some updates for that. And, uh, and, and kind of share with you what happened this, this past weekend. How many are glad to be saved? Amen. Amen. Uh, if you look on your, your pew beside you, uh, you should have a little card that looks like this. Has everybody got a card? Look, look over, grab that card. Uh, we didn't put one on every chair, so we're going to send one home per family. All right? So if you, you want to grab one of them per family and put it on your refrigerator right by that, that, that Christmas picture you done got already. <clears throat> All right, uh, this, this young man, his name is Kasimu. Kasimu is 23, I think it was, 23 years old. Uh, we, we, when we were at the TTI uh, conference this past week, uh, they presented Temple Baptist Church with this drawing, this artist drawing of his picture. You'll see his pictures on the back uh, and then the artist drawing on the front. Uh, but this, this, is, this is really, really special. Uh, two years ago, two years ago, we raised the money to start training centers in Nigeria. Uh, how many of y'all remember that two years ago? Raise your hand if you remember that. Uh, and, and if you will, if you'll remember, you, you don't even have to remember. You can go to the news and watch. Uh, Christians are being slaughtered in Nigeria by the thousands. And, and you made it possible to start uh, uh, training centers there in Nigeria. And because of that, uh, Kasimu... Uh, heard from a TTI missionary, one of the one of the Timothys that were trained there. They shared the gospel with him. Kasumu got saved. Amen. He got saved. Now, now that's not the cool part. Well, that is the cool part. That's part of the cool part. But the coolest part is he is now he is now uh, leading a a micro church. He's leading a church in his auto repair shop. So now we have Bondo Church in America. He has a, a Bondo Church in Nigeria. Amen. So can we take a minute and just give God praise and glory? Yes. He was, if you'll remember, how many of y'all remember these? How many of y'all remember these? The proclaimers that we, we bought. Uh, you raised the money to purchase these to send over there. Uh, if you wasn't here then, this has the gospel on it in their language. Whatever language the particular country we are targeting, uh, it has their language. It has the gospel, uh, 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 the, the Bible story here, and they can take this to any village. It doesn't have electricity. They got solar power, and they got to wind up over here if the battery goes dead. Uh, and they can take and share the gospel with these. Well, uh, Kasumo, he got one of these and heard the gospel, got saved, and so forth. Now he is leading, uh, he is a, a Timothy leading others to Christ doing the same thing. Because you sacrificed, you were generous, and you made it possible. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, now, that is in Nigeria. Let me give you a couple numbers here. Let me set this down. Let me give you a couple numbers here uh, of what's taking place in Nigeria right now. We've got the reports early. It's it was right now, so far, so far, because of what you gave, we have 46 active training centers. That means there are training centers, 46 all over the country of Nigeria, that are training Timothys to go out and plant these churches. We have 779 church planters being trained or trained already, 981 churches planted. 
15,718 new believers. Can we give God praise and glory there? 577 baptisms, 7,029 widows and orphans impacted through these new church plants. All right. Now, but keep in mind, keep in mind, this is in a, a country where you could lose your head literally for claiming Christ. This is happening in that place. And listen, I, I, I give God all the glory. I give God all the credit. But I can't help but thank you for your generosity for making this happen. Amen. All right. Now for America. Now for America. This is what I'm thrilled about. Most of you know uh, I wasn't with you in person last week. Uh, we started the series and, and did it on video, preached early that week uh, because I was preaching in, in South Carolina and uh, vision casting, sharing the, sharing the vision for America, uh, planning uh, churches and, and, and starting training centers, DMD training centers in America. Uh, we were able to make tons and tons of contacts and, and a lot of people interested and, and excited about it. Uh, we have right now, right now so far, we have 27 training centers in 11 states. New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, you know they need it. Say amen. Amen. Alabama, Washington, Oregon, Georgia, West Texas, Virginia, North Carolina, and Michigan all have training centers already. Can we give God praise and glory right there? 16 of these training centers have started in the last five weeks. 144 Timothys are being trained in these training centers. 34 DBS groups have started from these training centers. 30 of the DBS groups have started in the last three weeks. 68 micro churches have already been started already in the United States because of what you gave and what you're doing. So let's give God praise and glory and honor for all that he's doing. I, I, uh, I, I had a moment, I had a moment in, in, in South Carolina on Thursday, I was supposed to do a, a Zoom meeting. Uh, how many of y'all know what a Zoom meeting is? A Zoom meeting with uh, a group of pastors in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, probably 10 or 12 pastors they had gathered together. And, and, and Dustin always sets that stuff up for me. And, and that heathen went out and broke his leg and, and made me do it on my own. And I couldn't get the stupid thing to work. And so I, I, I called him. I said, well, let's just do a, a FaceTime. We'll do a FaceTime. And so we didn't have enough service at the place we were at, so that didn't work. And, and I said, well, all I can tell you is we just have to do it on, on speakerphone. And so they got on speakerphone, and I got on mine, and, and I went outside on the balcony. And I even looked. I mean, I looked to make sure I wasn't disturbing anybody at this place. You know, there was nobody out in the parking lot I could see. And so I, we started the meeting, and, 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 and it lasted about 45 minutes. And y'all know, when I start talking about this, I can't help it, man. I get jacked about it. And I start, and I'll get a little louder and a little louder, and I'll preach a little bit and testify a little bit and share this story and what's happening. And, and they were asking questions, and I was answering, and, and, and I thought everything was fine. Didn't think I was bothering anybody. And uh, later on that week, I happened to find out that it, just because I couldn't see them below me didn't mean they wasn't above me. There was, <laughs> there was people on balconies all up above and, and that I didn't know. And they sat there and listened to the whole thing. And, uh, and so, hey, I took it as they needed to hear it. Amen. Amen. And uh, Tammy's inside like, oh, dear Jesus, what is he doing? 
And it made it worse because I didn't have my hearing aids in, so I didn't realize how loud I was talking. But, <laughs> hey, it is what it is. Isn't God good? Amen. I'm telling you, God is good. He's doing some great things. I know, I know things seem really, really terrible right now in our country uh, with, with the pandemic and politics and everything that's going. But I'm telling you, in the midst of all that darkness, there is a light that has started there is a fire that has started, and I promise you, I told them, I told them guys up in Detroit, uh, uh, I, they, they said, hey, we want to get this started here, and, and I said, I tell you what, y'all start up there, and we've already started down here, and we'll meet in Kentucky somewhere, amen? And we're going we're gonna to reach our nation and change our nation. The only way we're going to change America is by changing Americans, amen? So let's give God praise and glory one more time. Just, just thank him. All right, let's look in 1 Peter chapter number 3, and we're going to look in verse number 15, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you right away, uh, uh, this is not an original, uh, this is not my own. Uh, uh, I, I heard the, uh, the gentleman that started the My Story Tracks, if you, if you have been in DMD, and you're one of the Timothys being trained, you know about the My Story Tracks, where you can take a, a, a and, and print out your story and share that with you. Well, the guy that, that designed that and came up with that idea, he happened to be at this conference, and he spoke right after I did. And, and when he got through speaking, I thought, this is incredible. This is great. I need to tell my people all of this. So I took from him... I took from him this idea and the things that he shared with us there. Uh, and I really, really, truly feel like we need to hear it here. Because the, the whole series is about being missional. Being missional. Having a missionary mindset, a missionary agenda. Using everything that we do and everything we go, everywhere we go, to uh, share the gospel. You say, well, I'm a painter. Well, you're a missionary. You just happen to paint. Well, well, I'm a plumber. Well, you're a missionary, but you just happen to do plumbing on the side. Amen. We have a responsibility and a command to get the gospel to every creature. And it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You still have that command. Can you say amen right there? And so the, the three points he gave me, the guy stood up and said, every morning I pray for Bob. I pray for Bob. And he said, I want to I want to share with you today because I want you to pray for Bob. Now, I don't know about you, but my first thought was, who is Bob? I thought if this whole sermon's going to be about Bob, he must be an important fella. Amen. And, and then I, he, as he was going through, uh, going through sharing uh, what he was sharing, I realized he was using an acrostic. You know, and, and I'll show you what I mean. But let's, let's read our verse, and then we'll jump right in there, okay? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready, always. be ready always. always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be with these folks today. I, I know I don't deserve it, and I, I, know, I know there's probably a whole lot better people that could be doing this, but Lord, you allow me to do it, and you've called me to do it, and I'm thankful, and I'm so grateful for what you do and what you have been doing. Now, Lord, help me to deliver this word and to deliver this truth that if we could get this, man, this can be so powerful in what we're trying to do here in our city. 
God, I pray that your perfect will be done. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Now, let's look at the first part of that verse just a second. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. The word sanctify means to set apart, right? Uh, I used to, in in, in some ways you could say this, but I used to think it just meant to clean up. You know, when you're being sanctified, God's cleaning you up. But truly the word sanctify means set apart. It is set apart for a specific purpose, for a specific person and specific reason. For instance, if if these were sanctified toward me, These are for my use, my purpose, and my purpose only. Does that make sense? Say amen. Amen. Now, when you sanctify the Lord God in your heart, what you're saying is, is you're, you're allowing God to be, in the simplest way I can put this, is you're putting him first. You're putting him as Lord of your life. You are making him the boss. And by the way, he's already the boss. But we have to set apart and allow him to have free reign and free rule and submit to his leadership, submit to his command, submit to what he wants. Because if you do, then you know what you're going to do? You're going to give an answer of the hope that's in you. When you put God first in your life, you're going to be obedient to his command to go and share the gospel with every creature. Somebody say amen right there. He said, be ready. Say it with me. Be ready always to give an answer to any man that asks you the hope that is in you. Now, what does that mean? That means no matter what time of day, no matter where you're at, you need to be able to tell somebody why you have hope. And and the easiest way to say is you be, you got to be able to tell your story and tell God's story. Be ready. Always. always. Now, now, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? We're going to pray about it. Right? We're going to ask God to help us with this. I don't know about y'all, but I need his help. I need his help. And so did the early disciples. That's why Jesus told them, do not leave Jerusalem till you get the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because sharing the gospel, being a witness, is not something you can do on your own and on your own ability, in your own power. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and led by the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. So here's what I want you to do. This is what we're going to pray for every morning. All right. We're going to ask God. We're going to pray for Bob. All right. So the first thing that we're going to pray for, number one, if we're going to pray and, and, and remember this, remember this, we're, we're wanting to be missional, right? We're wanting to use our life to get the gospel to people that don't have it. We're wanting to use our life to transform the lives of others. If you're there, say amen. Now, what are we going to pray for? Number one, we're going to pray first. We're going to ask God for a burden, a burden. We're going to ask God for a burden. Paul said this, my, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. He goes on to say, he says, I'm telling you this and I lie not. He says, I, 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 I have such a burden and I have such a desire to see my brethren. And when he says my brethren, he's talking about the nation of Israel. He's talking about the Jewish brethren. He said, I could wish myself a curse from Christ if I could see. And what that means is I would be willing to go to hell if all my brethren could make it to heaven. I would be willing to give up my salvation for the salvation of others. He had such a burden and such a desire to see people saved. It broke his heart. He had tears in his eyes. He had emotional breakdowns because he wanted to see people saved so bad. 
You know what I've learned? You're never going to share the gospel until you get burdened. When's the last time you cried? You had tears in your eyes over somebody because they were lost. Not because they did you wrong. Not because you were mistreated. Not because uh, uh, something was taken. Just simply because they were going to go to hell if they don't get saved. When's the last time we asked God to give us a burden for those who don't know Jesus? The Bible says when Jesus saw the multitude, he was what? With compassion. He was moved. You know what that means? That's, That's talking about an inward, a gut reaction. On the inside, he just churned and and it bothered him. It churned in in the inside to the point he wanted to do something. Have you ever been moved? Not, not Not for something of your own, but just move with compassion because people don't have Jesus. I'm going to tell you this. The reason we have to pray for this. You remember, this is this is the whole point. We are praying for Bob. We're asking God to give us a burden. You know what I've learned in in, in the time I've been alive and the time I've been serving God is you can't work this up. How many of y'all figured that out? You you can't manufacture this. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to be burdened for sinners today. It don't work. Because the first time they do something stupid. Hello. Oh, y'all are so spiritual in here. <laughs> Brother Melvin, I'll get up and I'll really want to love somebody and then I'll turn on the TV and see some ignorant junk on there. Now, I'm, I'm going to get somewhere now. huh? Y'all shaking your head. I see so much foolishness. And I'll be honest, in my natural state, I get angry. But Jesus is being nailed to a cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You see, I'm not going to get this burden on my own. I'm not, I, I'm not going to be able to manufacture this. Like, I can't work this up. That's why I got to go to God and say, God, break my heart. Let me see people like you see them. Let me, let me look at the people not as, as heathens that need their brains bashed in. Let me see them as sheep that have no shepherd. Let me see them as sinners who don't know any better. Let me see them as people that are going to spend eternity in hell if we don't get the gospel to them. God, break our hearts. Break our hearts. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, they that sow in, anybody remember? Tears shall reap. When's the last time we we shed a tear for a lost person? I mean, if we think about it, when's the last time we shed a tear, period? But when was we, did we ever shed it because someone didn't know Jesus? So, so can anybody agree with your preacher and say, you, I better pray about that. Yeah. We're never going to share. We're never going to witness. We're never going to step out and take the initiative to try to reach somebody until we get a, a burden. You know what caused Paul to sail from shore to shore and 
go from city to city, even after he was beaten and lied about and, 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 and wrongly imprisoned, he had a burden. The burden was stronger than his desire for comfort. The burden was stronger than his desire for popularity. His burden for sinners was stronger than his desire for wealth. That's how he could say, that's how he could say, I've suffered the loss of all things. And you think, dear Lord. But then he comes back and says, but I count them all but dung. Now, if you don't know what dung is, look it up. If your country, it's another form of fertilizer. You know what he said? All my wealth, all my possessions, everything that I have, I, it's, it ain't nothing but dung compared to winning Christ. Amen. We need a burden. We're never going to become missional in our thinking, in our behavior, in our actions till we have a burden for those that we need to share the gospel with. And all God's people say it. Amen. Number two, number two. If number one starts with a B, what do you think number two starts with? Oh. oh, very, very good. We need to ask God for opportunities. Opportunities. God, give me an opportunity. Let me run smack dab into somebody that needs the gospel. Amen? Amen. Jesus is sitting at a well. Jesus is sitting at a well and minding his own business. He's sitting there, and, and he's weary with his journey. The disciples go in to get food, and here comes a woman, a Samaritan woman who's just had a horrible life. And you know what Jesus does? He takes advantage of an opportunity. opportunity. He shares the gospel with her. She gets saved, changes her life. How about Zacchaeus in a tree? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore to see what he could see. Uh-huh, see, I remember that kid's song. Jesus comes by and says, I'm coming to your house today. Boy, he shimmies down and goes, changes his life. You know what Jesus did? He just took advantage of an opportunity. How about what you learned last week? You remember last week, Peter and John going into the temple in the hour of prayer? They wasn't soul winning. They were just doing their own daily thing. Just going through the motions, just going through their agenda, going into the temple at the time that they go into the temple. And here lies a, an opportunity. But I wonder how many of us see it as an opportunity. Or do we see it as an inconvenience? You see, I think we have opportunities all the time. We're just not recognizing them. And so we ask God, give me an opportunity. Father, let me run into a pre-Christian. A pre-Christian. Some of y'all get that look. Hmm? What's a pre-Christian? That one is almost there. Maybe they've had issues in their life and God's already been talking to them. I, I talked with a gentleman, I talked with a gentleman um, several months ago, and when I when I shared my story with him and, and, and talked to him about his faith, he said, You know, we me and the guys at work were just talking about this. You know what that means? That God was already preparing the way. The problem with some of us is, is we're trying to pick green fruit. And we, we, we need, I, I don't know about y'all, but I need them easy ones. I need them pre-Christians, amen? I mean, Lord, don't get me a full-fledged heathen. Give me one that's almost ready, amen? 
Oh, y'all, come on now. Who can agree? Come on. Give me somebody that's ready. I want to ask you a question, seriously. Straight up, no joking, no cutting up. How many of y'all believe God loves sinners? Would you agree? How many of y'all believe that God wants to save sinners? Okay. How many of y'all believe that God called us to tell them? That's a no-brainer, right? So don't you think if he really loves sinners and he paid a high price so they could be forgiven and he's got you here to go tell them, why do you not think he won't let y'all run into each other? Why don't you think that, that God won't have somebody that's almost ready come in the same path as somebody who prayed that morning and said, God, give me an opportunity. You know what he's going to do? He's going to direct his path into your path. You had not because you... So don't you think if this is God's will, because it says if we pray according to God's will, he's going to answer. How many of y'all believe it's God's will to save folks? How many of you believe it's God's will for us to tell folks? So don't you think that God's going to run you into somebody? If you pray for an opportunity. Paul said, pray for an open door. That's what in that verse it's in your notes. I don't have time, but go look in your notes. He's saying effectual open door. Pray for an open door. He's basically saying, pray for an opportunity. Pray for an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. Miss Susan Wisnett, most of y'all remember. Dorgan, y'all were here for the first, first revival. And we was, you remember that when we was over on this side in that building? We had friend day. We had friend day to kick off friend day. And when, when we had friend day, they sang, the, the, the wisdoms they sang, and, and they're in a different city all the time. I mean, all the time, almost every other day, they're in a different city. So they don't, it, it's really hard to, you know, make good, make close friends and that type when you're traveling so much. And she said during, the, during that revival, she said, man, I wished I had some, a friend I could bring to church. Because she was here. They live in Morgan in North Carolina. Well, they were sitting in the, they were sitting in the, in the motel room that Monday, that Monday morning, and, uh, and she was just sitting there thinking about all that. And she said, God, would you give me a friend that I can bring to church right after she prayed that? <laughs> Housekeeping. <laughs> now, most Baptists would say, let me get my stuff so I can get out of here. <laughs> but you know what she saw it as? She invited, she, she told the lady who she was and that she was singing and, and, and that they were having a revival, invited the whole family. The whole family came and walked the aisle. Amen. Because she took advantage of. I wonder how many opportunities that pass us every day. And we're not recognizing because, why do we not recognize them? Because we're not burdened or looking for them. You see, we got to be, a, uh, 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 what's that word? Intentional. I looked at the word intentional this morning, Webster's Dictionary. You know what it means? On purpose. On purpose. You know how you're going to find a pre-Christian if you do it? Don't, don't go out to paint a house. Go out to find a sinner while you paint the house. You see, we got to do this on purpose. And I've learned this. If we don't do it on purpose, we. 
we ain't going to do it. How many of y'all would agree with that? So when we get up in the morning, when we get up in the morning, number one, we're going to pray for a burden. Say this with me. Say this with me. God, give me a burden. Say it real loud. All right, everybody in the balcony, say it with me. God, give me a burden. Number two, God, give me an opportunity. Come on, loud. In the balcony. Amen. Now, remember, you have not because you. If you ask, God's going to give it to you. Now, here's the here's the the last one and we're done. But I think I think this is the most important one. It is for me. It is for me. Uh, And I, I would probably guess most everybody in here, this is probably the one you're really going to need God to answer. But when we ask God for a burden, then we ask God for an opportunity. We need to ask God for boldness. Boldness. Why do you need boldness? Because I'm a chicken. How many of y'all could relate to this? I love people. I don't want nobody to go to hell. I don't want nobody to go to hell. There's no doubt. I love people. I'm just afraid of them. Can anybody relate? What? You're a preacher. You've been in church your whole life. You grew up a preacher's kid. You went to seminary and Christian school and all. You telling me? Yeah, I'm telling you. Y'all are scary sometimes. Has anybody felt the urge before? I mean, you just see that person all of a sudden, man, I feel like I need to either invite them to church or tell them about Jesus or, or do something. And you, and you chickened out. You know what was needed right in that moment? Boldness. Fearlessness. Let me, let, me, let me show you something. How many of y'all believe the Apostle Paul was the man? Yeah. I mean, he was incredible. Watch, watch what this says. Man, when I read this, I said, man, I can relate to this. In, in, in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, the last verses on your, on your notes there, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. In other words, he's saying, when you pray, when you pray for me, watch this. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak as I ought to speak. Ought means obligation. You know what he's saying? This is the apostle Paul Asking you to pray that he could have. Now, if he is asking you to pray that he's got it, wouldn't that naturally mean that he didn't have it? I'm talking about the man that did some of the most incredible, incredible. When you say boldness, I put his picture right there. But you know what he's asking? Man, tell God to give me boldness. One of the greatest, one of the greatest verses you'll ever read in the Bible. One of the greatest verses you'll ever read in the Bible is talking about Elijah. 
in the New Testament, it's talking about the Old Testament Elijah. You remember the one that stood in the face of a king, stood in the face of a whole nation who refused to go with God or go against God. They, they, they were halt between two opinions. He said, if God be God, then worship him. If Baal be God, worship him. And they said not a word. And he stood in front of 850 false prophets called fire down from him. You remember that guy? You know what the Bible says about him in the New Testament? He was a man of like passions as we are. He was a man of like passions as we are. Now let me translate that. This is the way my grandma would have said it. He puts his britches on just like I do. Did you get that? He puts his britches on just like I do. In other words, he was just a man. And sometimes I think we put certain Bible heroes on certain levels that we can't attain. And we think they just naturally was fearless. No, no, no. He had to get boldness from God too. That makes me feel a whole lot better. Amen? And boldness. Everybody, I'm almost done. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I'm almost done. We leak boldness. Did you hear me? We leak boldness. I, 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 I've got a, I got an ATV at the house. I go coon hunting on. I aired it. The front tire was flat. I aired it up. Look, kicked it a couple times, you know, for good measure. The next morning, it's flat again. Mr. McKelvey, you know what I learned? It had a leak. It had sufficient air for a little while. But then the next day I had to put some more in it. Y'all, we got a boldness tank, but it's leaky. And let me prove it. Let me prove it. We have to do stuff to keep it filled. When I was at that, when I was at that conference last week, man, we had missionary after missionary, uh, church planner after church, man, giving testimonies. And I mean, the more they talked, the more jacked up I got. I mean, I was just psyched, man. They were saying what's happening in, in India, you know, the, the Every Village Project, and, and they were talking about what, what some of the Timothys over there are going through and risking their life for. Man, they showed a picture of, of, of three or four Timothys that were trained to share the gospel. They had big baskets on their back going through garbage, sifting through garbage at the local dump. That was how they made their living. But yet on their lunch hour, they spent their whole lunch hour sharing the gospel with other garbage collectors. And the, and the guy was speaking on making your life count. I mean, everything he would say, I would just get it and I would feel it. Man, I'm telling you, I was stoked. And I, I, I walked out of there, I was saying hello and hey, y'all. And do you know Jesus to every person all the way to my room? One of the ladies, man, I had the greatest conversation. She was one of the housekeeping ladies. I said, ma'am, do you know Jesus? She said, I sure do. I said, tell me. And here we go. I was, I could have, it didn't matter who was in the hallway. You was going to hear it. Yeah. And then I woke up that morning. And I found out my tire was low. 
because I run into somebody at the airport. And I didn't have quite the, are y'all getting where I'm going with this? In other words, you can't just come to the altar and ask God for boldness today and think that you're done now. We got to do things to keep us motivated every day. The disciples came back. The disciples came back from being threatened. Y'all remember in the book of Acts? They came back from being threatened. They said, don't preach anymore in this name. And they beat them. And they come back and told the church. And you know what? You know what the church did? They didn't file a grievance. They didn't call the local politicians. They didn't get mad because there was no conservatives in, in, in politics now. You know what they did? They said, give us boldness. They prayed for boldness. And you know what God gave them? Boldness. And man, they turned the world upside down. I, I, I want to I say this. I want to say this. I want to say this, and please, everybody pay attention. Listen to me. It don't matter who's in the White House. We've been called to make disciples. It doesn't matter what they bring down the line. It doesn't matter what they vote in. It doesn't matter what Christian-hating policies they come up with. We're going to make disciples. We're going to make disciples if there's a Democrat in there. We're going to make disciples if there's a Republican in there. We're going to make disciples if they outlaw making disciples. We're going to keep making disciples. Now, we need to do everything we can to vote our conscience and do all that kind of stuff. But in the, when it's all said and done, we still got to make disciples. I'm here to chew gum and make disciples, and I'm all out of gum. We're going to make disciples. Amen? Amen? amen. amen. Come on, church, say amen. Amen. We got to have boldness. We got to have a burden. You're going to have an opportunity, but we got to ask God to give us and break our hearts. You know what? A greater burden will create greater boldness. I'll, I'll FaceTime. I'll FaceTime little Carter. I love that little rat. I mean, seriously, I don't know physically what I would do to you if you hurt my youngin. I mean, I want to see him saved so bad already. I want to know he's going to heaven. And I'm telling you, there's nothing that I, I don't know of anything that would hint. I, I, I have such a boldness to share my faith with him because I have such a burden for him. And we need to understand, we need to understand that these things can't be manufactured. If, if it took the Apostle Paul asking prayer for it, we got to ask prayer for it. All right, all right, let's do a survey real quick and we're done. We're done. I'm done. Look at me, everybody. How many of y'all would say, preacher, I need a greater burden for the loss? Okay. All right, how many of y'all would say, preacher, I sure need a whole lot more boldness both hands you have not because let's not let's not be missing these elements in our Christian life because we don't ask let's ask him